Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. I've been a little irritated by this process until today. Now I'm just flat out pissed off. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. I was going over my morning news feed. I had forgotten that Amber Heard was involved with Elon Musk. Oh my gosh, right. Prior to Johnny Depp or after or during or something like that. I'm not real up on celebrity news, but it sounds vaguely familiar. So she went from Elon Musk to Johnny Depp. I ain't saying she's a gold digger. Mm, she ain't going with no broke mogul. <laughs> Live from Studio C. She's in your dimly lit room. Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And hey, everybody, on Little Wednesday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Is it Matthew? Matthew McCloskey. Is that his first name or is it Andrew? Something like that. This is the St. Louis homeowner who, when his home and his family were threatened by an angry mob... Took out a firearm and said, you're not coming in here. Now he's been charged by the utterly corrupt Marxist authorities there in St. Louis, but we'll tell you more about it. It's it's a joke, honestly. It's an absolute joke. It'll go nowhere. And and I'm hoping it will backfire, no pun intended. Mark McCloskey. Mark McCloskey, thank you. I knew there was an A in there. Uh, I doubt it feels like a joke to him. Uh, No. No, but it is uh, so utterly outside the bounds of anything reasonable or lawful or constitutional. The right result will happen. Um, yeah, well, and, and I'm hoping, like I say, the, the, the backlash is so strong against it, we get to a better place. It's possible. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. Um, oh, and speaking of Elon Musk, uh, who used to date Amber Heard, <laughs> Johnny Depp's old lady. Oh, boy. Um, so, um, Tesla is on the verge of cracking into the S&P 500, which means ev- practically everybody in America will be a Tesla stockholder, because if you have an index fund of any kind, you'd, be, you'd have some Tesla stock, which is a huge deal. And Tesla is now more valuable than Toyota, which is astounding. Wow. That is an incredible statistic. That is surprising. And it's, um, uh, it, it defies all logic in terms of, uh, you know, normal stock stuff, but there's just, there's this, there's this theory that it's a, you know, it's a brand people believe in beyond their output. I mean, with Toyota, you kind of just, you know, you look at the numbers and they produce this much and it's a profitable company. And, but with Tesla, it's like you're, you know, you're betting on the future of the earth in all kinds of different ways. Hmm. Um, uh, batteries and uh, electric cars and uh, self-driving cars and all these different things. They're futuristic as opposed to just buying a Ford or Toyota stock. And, and so, uh, well, Elon Musk said it was overvalued half its value ago. Oh, boy. Um, but it's now more valuable than Toyota. Toyota having made 30 times as many vehicles, Tesla is more valuable than that. Hmm. So, uh, I don't know, is it buy or sell? Are you buying today on Tesla stock? I don't know. Seems a little high. I, I sold it way too uh, long ago. But you were right. So did a lot of people. And you would have at that time, nobody would have thought Tesla was going to crack into the S&P 500, mm-hmm. which is uh, just astounding. It's a great American story. Is he is he going to follow through on that going to Texas thing? I really want him to. Uh, I don't know. I don't. 
Well, he might someday. There's no, uh, there's no short-term plan to do that. He settled some of his grievances with the California County. He operates his big plant there. And moving, an, moving an automotive plant would be no small, uh, oh, no. small task. <laughs> You've moved a house. It's the most miserable experience of your life, short of, you know, medical crisis or car wreck. So, yeah, moving a giant automotive plant, I can't even imagine. <laughs> moving is the most, ex- the, the worst non-emergency thing that happens to you in your life, by far. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because I, I last moved three years ago, and I know that to be true, but I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't, I don't remember it being that bad. I mean, it's, you got to pack up your stuff. No, 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 it's terrible. It's days and days of terrible. Before you mundane tasks, it's days and days of terrible before you get to the point where you realize how many days it's going to take you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's it's, well, what it is, it's multiple layers of terrible. So if you're moving a car plant, you'd think you're just about done. Then you open up a closet door. Oh, that's where all the bumpers are. We haven't moved any of the bumpers. (laughs) We got eight million bumpers. We got to pack up. Oh, Oh, God, I thought we were almost done. Uh, there's a new Wall Street Journal poll out today about race relations in the United States. Yeah, I'm it's sure it's rosy, it's quite optimistic. A, quite astounding, and you might be surprised at where some of your uh, fellow Americans are in, on, a, on a number of issues, like Black Lives Matter and tearing down statues and, and, and a number of different things. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. Oh, lots of exciting stuff. No oh, good. I'm trying not to doom scroll. We learned that term the other day, doom scrolling. It's so where you just you just you grab your phone and you go through. Okay, what's the what's the miserable things that are going on now with the virus and the economy and the politics and, and the anarchy, the anarchy and the Marxism on the rise as our deluded young people have swigged the, the Kool Aid of the, our public schools and universities for so long they're now buying it. Or Ugliness. So, oh, we got to read. Time from, to fight back. Who's with me? We got to read from the op-ed in the New York Times. They did print this one about how Trump is sending in federal troops to American cities to take them over prior to the election. And that's what that's all about. All right, it's the uh, it's the uh, Hitler like the takeover. Okay. It's in it's in bloom. Yeah, I saw a Pinochet referenced in uh, Esquire, I believe it was. Can we the say that Argentinian dictator? I thought I that believe. was the fruity, Pinochet was fruity, fruity wine, Chile. Uh, ha- harder than a Chardonnay, but lighter than a Cabernet. Uh, I think you're mistaken. Let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles. Every once in a while, he pulls a lever. How are you this morning, Michael? I was a bad boy yesterday at Uh-oh. the grocery store. I, I was in charge of getting groceries. Usually, um, the two of us will, will go shopping together. But she had pulled her back out, so I needed to go uh, get the shopping You're myself. You're talking about your fiance? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Um, and so I, you know, I was supposed to spend $50. I ended up spending like $80 because... This is a, such a good deal. Look, it's only eight dollars. It's normally twelve dollars. I'll add, <laughs> I'll add this to the cart, and pretty soon, you know. So she, you, ca- you can't afford not to buy it. Right. That's exactly what was that was my attitude yesterday. You should have bought two. You'd have saved twice as I much. I did buy two. As a matter of fact, with, with like strawberries, they were a good price, and so I bought two of them. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Better eat those quick. Yep. You know, it's funny. I, I thought during this entire story it was going to end somehow in ice cream, which you've referenced many days in a row. Yeah. Um, apparently, you have a bit of a problem. But no, there was no ice cream involved? No ice cream. Okay, my mistake. I was wrong. All right, it, it, I'm lying. I did buy an ice cream. Ah, in fact. Yeah. It, it was my dessert last night. It is hard to avoid that. This is so cheap. I don't need one. But man, I mean, that's a great price on Screaming this. Screaming deal. Right. I kind of like dried prunes. <laughs> 
The bottom line is I can't be trusted to go to the store by myself. That's all it is. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. It was on this day uh, in the year 1899 that one Ernest Miller Hemingway was born. Now, he's the author of such novels for uh, of as For Whom the Bell Tolls, and it's my understanding that it tolls for thee. Oh, uh, spoiler. Yeah, you gave away the ending. Idiot. Uh, the whole book you're wondering, who's it tolling for? <laughs> Last sentence. Turns out it's tolling for thee. Signed, Ernest Hemingway. Another one of his more famous uh, uh, tomes with the, the old man in the sea. I got to tell you, I'm rooting for the old man, but the sea is undefeated. Mm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, he uh, as well known for his, his books as his uh, hard drinking persona. Apparently, he liked to, to get after it. I loved uh, 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 For Whom the Bell Tolls as much as I've loved any novel ever when I read it. Uh, but uh, I think Jack and I share this. Our favorite line of all time from a Hemingway book is from The Sun Also Rises. Okay. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the line is, the road to hell is paved with unbought stuffed dogs. That's true. Yes. <laughs> it is funny. It's not Two how I drunks, know the saying. Two drunks standing outside a store discussing whether the one drunk ought to buy a stuffed dog. And his friend is urging him to buy a stuffed dog. And he says, nah, I don't think so. And his buddy says, the road to hell is paved with unbought stuffed dog. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. How did it already get to be Tuesday, July 21st, the year 2020? We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin stuffing the dog officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. When he grows up, in fact, when he wanted to wait for the year 2001, he said he will have... In his own house, not a computer as big as this, but at least a console to which he can talk to his friendly local computer and get all the information he needs for his everyday life, like his bank statements, his theater reservations, all the information you need in the course of living in a complex modern society. This will be in a compact form in his own house. Hmm. What year was that? 1974. Hmm. Uh, wow. we, we have some more of that. It's a little less than two minutes of, a, of an interview from, from back then, back when they were standing in a room because that's what computers were. They were the size of rooms. You've been able right. to get your banking information from your computer at home? And the theater reservations. Wow. Boy, the guy nailed it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And there's more of that, right? Yep. Yeah, we got well, some more of that of later. That's kind of fun. You know, I, I tell you what, I was uh, sharing with the fellows before the show, I have to continually remind myself that 1970 was 50 years ago. It seems completely impossible mm. and yet it is so yeah that guy nailed it that was 46 years ago um, nice how does mailbag look and we will also stare at our computer <laughs> all day long to the exclusion of friends and and other mental activity until we're all morons yes yeah, he had thrown in there and we'll stop marrying and reproducing uh what uh the social dynamics of what that would look like come up in the interview. Oh, really? Fantastic. Does he reference pornography in his odd (laughs) accent that I can't quite place? Uh, So we do have mailbag on the way. We do. I expect uh, you to die, Mr. Bond. (laughs) (laughs) That's the accent. That's it. (laughs) We have the uh, the race relations poll, which is pretty darn interesting. It's moved a lot in just a couple of weeks. Anyway, all that stuff on the way. And our text line is always is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Sean would mention it's Hemingway's birthday, as I had tweeted out yesterday. That was on the list of famous people's toilets I've seen in person, Hemingway's toilet. Is that a, uh, a hobby of yours? Well, as uh, Tim the lawyer uh, more or less weighed in, if you visit famous people's houses, you've probably seen their toilet. So oh. it kind of comes with going to famous people's houses. You don't go I see. specifically. Like, I didn't go to Hemingway, to see Hemingway's toilet in Key West. I, I went to Key West, and his house is there, and right. I visited that, and his toilet happens to be there also. I don't know that I have ever once. I gave my list of my five best celebrity toilets. Tol- yeah. Tolstoy. It's a good toilet. Ben Franklin. An excellent toilet. Trotsky. Hemingway and Elvis. Those are my five celebrity toilets. A couple of Russians in there, I notice. Hillary Clinton wants to talk to you. She was on uh, MSNBC yesterday talking about how oh, good. Uh, the, <laughs> how, the, how Roger Stone was let out of prison so he wouldn't spill the beans on all the collusion. Her being just, on MSNBC will help so many things. Oh, it was just, just amazing. <laughs> but back to the toilets. I was going to claim I had never visited the house of a famous person. But I have historical figures like presidents. I've been mm-hmm. to Lincoln's house and Washington's house. I think that may be it, though. No authors' houses. Did you find them at all illuminating? Or I'm not sure I'd go to an author's house. No, that uh, sort of thing I did when I was young. I have no interest in that now. I don't. I don't have any interest in traveling anymore. Well, yeah, compl- that I know. So that's completely a, over. Well, you're uh, probably the wrong anything. guy to ask. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in visit. I've seen everything I need to see in the, in the world. Seeing Tolstoy's house, for instance. Did that do you any good? I mean, did you find it interesting? Did it amuse you? No, I think a lot of that stuff just ends up being it's like it's it's like going to a concert. You can listen to the music at home; it sounds better. But now you can say you've been to the concert. I think yeah. it's a similar sort of thing. Yeah, I can look at a picture of the home. It's fine. That would give me everything I need to know. As a Lincoln file, I enjoyed seeing his home in Springfield, Illinois. I've been to it a couple of times, uh, but I admit it was mostly, huh, wow, these rooms are really small. It was more about how people lived at the time than, you know, it's not like he had a rough draft of the Emancipation Proclamation jotted on the bathroom wall, right? Or he comes walking around the corner, well, hello, (laughs) and you get to talk to them. A house divided against itself cannot stand, folks. Thanks for coming. If you'll uh, make your way to the exit, please. No, he's not there. It's just a house. <laughs> um, uh, Another trillion-dollar bailout package is in the works. Oh, we got plenty of money in the Worked bank. on the details yesterday. Hmm. More on that coming up. Mailbag. Trillion dollars. Used to be a big deal, a trillion-dollar package, but now we've kind of gotten ho-hum about it barely makes the news we have plenty of uh, i have more on that but we'll we'll get to that later uh, th- we have plenty more uh, fabulous quotes from thomas sowell to get to but i like this quote from larry elder sent along by uh alert listener i don't know it looks like i found it anyway uh larry elder the uh writer talk radio host and an interesting guy he happens to be a, a black man he said most people on the right have no problem understanding people on the left because many were on the left themselves when they were younger. But many people on the left find it inexplicable how any decent and intelligent person could be on the right. I've been asking this for years. Have you ever known anybody that moved from right to left? Because everybody, uh, people either, well, everybody starts on the left for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then some people move right. Yeah. And some people just stay left. I have noticed a phenomenon where people, as they get old, move left. And I could probably explain like that to really you. Really old because Elderly. generally people moving right as they get older. Uh yeah, it happens. But the I whole... have known some who move left. I, 
Sometimes people, well, anyway, I don't want to get off on that. People mm. realize they're in favor of collectivism because they need more help mm. and they have no money. Gotcha. And so they suddenly think more social programs are mm. a great idea. Let's see. Frank writes uh, on the subject of the moon landing, which uh, yesterday was the anniversary of it. Uh, my entire family, parent and three boys, were on our patio in Tucson gazing at the quarter moon as Apollo 11 approached. My oldest brother, George, who's the world's greatest troll, said, and I'm not kidding, Mom, don't you think they would have had a better chance of hitting the moon if it were a full moon? My mother, (laughs) world's sweetest and most gullible person, in all seriousness, replied, Well, George, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Sweet, sweet memories. Parents both alive and well at 96 and 97. Awesome. How about that, Frank? Thanks a million for the note. That's really nice. Uh, Wyoming, uh, Faggity Rick, he's friend of Armstrong and Getty over 20 years. Hey now. Been listening to your show since way back. Uh, I remember, well, he says. Send that man an oven mitt. Yeah. Anyway, some advice for people who are wanting to leave the Golden State for more rural areas. For folks listening around the world, we have a lot of listeners in California. People will hate you. People will hate you because you'll come to their area with money. It'll drive up the cost of living for the locals, specifically housing. doesn't take long before the locals can no longer afford the nicer houses, and they get better. Then the people will hate you because some expat Californians begin to complain about their new areas and try to change them into California. Look at Boise, Idaho, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You should still do it, but people will hate you. I was astounded by the <laughs> billboards in Arizona about Congress, but don't let this person California eyes Arizona. Right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I had a really scary moment this morning, not physically scary, but like fundamentally scary, spiritually scary. I did a radio interview this morning, and the guy said to me, sort of off the air, under his breath, he said, you're lucky, you do a podcast, you can say whatever you want. And I thought, wait a minute, it's 2020, this is the United States, you're a broadcaster, you can't say whatever you want? The, the, the notion that people with microphones that are broadcasting are lamenting they can't say whatever they want in America in 2020 is scary. Yeah, it's scary, you but think? it's true. Huh. But it's absolutely true. Oh, my God. If you want to stay employed, there are various things you know you cannot say, which is crazy, but it's true. Well, and it changes. I mean, you never could say, you know, blank and this and blank and that, just dirty words. But we're talking about political opinions. Right. In fact, in many cases, political opinions that were 100% okay just a couple of years ago now will end your career. Correct. How is that possible? I'm not talking about political opinions that were okay in 1850. No. I'm talking about political opinions that were okay in 2005. Well, and interestingly enough, it's uh, it may be fine again in a year and a half. But when the angry mob has its uh, tar- has its uh, radar tuned to certain things, yeah, it will end careers if you violate what the angry mob doesn't want to hear. A fair amount of it is around race, and there is a new poll out today from the Wall Street Journal and NBC. They team up for polls. A majority of voters now say the U.S. is a racist society. Every society is a racist society to a greater or lesser extent. 56% hold the view that American society is racist. 
the poll finds that Americans of all races and age groups share significant concerns about discrimination nearly two months after George Floyd was killed by police. We know that story. Um, nearly three quarters of Americans believe that race relations are either very or fairly bad. A 16 point increase since February. I would absolutely sign on to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I would not check the box for American society is racist. I would not be of the 56%. No, I would it's, it's be much, much, much less bigoted a term I prefer than, than most societies on earth. I, uh, I would click, I would check yes for race relations are either very or fairly bad. Uh, and another sign of substantial shifts in views on race, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal, more voters see racial bias as a feature of American society and support protests aimed at addressing it. Nearly 60% in the survey that said black people face discrimination. Um, about half said so of Hispanics. Those are double the numbers from 2008 on both of those. Hmm. The numbers have doubled since 2008. So that's something. Um, so some of you would say people are just realizing what was always there. That's some of it. And uh, some of you would say that uh, the same amount is being uh, exaggerated. I yeah, I, I, people have swigged down the Kool-Aid of the radical left that is seeking power and trying to do it through white guilt, which is not to say there are no sins to be accounted for, and nobody thinks that. Maybe don't bring this topic up uh, at home with your husband or wife, as there's quite a disagreement among men and women on this. Percentage who agree that American society is racist is a 20-point gap between men and women. 20-point gap. Wow. That's a big gap. Women, 66%, two-thirds. Men, under half. You know, it's funny. This has come up so many times. Women are easier to radicalize and get behind various schemes, whether Marxist, anarchists, or whatever. George Well, George Well, George Orwell wrote about it, uh, you know, back in the middle of the 20th century. He said the women tend to be the most militant and, and, and enthusiastic and cruel. Uh, younger people are more likely to believe America is racist than uh, than older, obviously. Um, more Democrats than Republicans. Most of these more black people than white people. None of that is surprising. The man-woman split of 20 points I thought was pretty amazing. For the overall total, again, to be 56%. A um, couple of issues. Do you support protests and demonstrations after the killing of George Floyd? support in America overall. I'm I'm wondering now, is there a question about uh, violence, looting, and burning? I mean, if the demonstrations include that, no. If you're just talking about peaceful demonstrations, yes, of course. Uh, Yeah, I think it's pretty weak to not separate the two. Um, I would never be concerned about really any demonstrations for, for anything. I mean, even the abhorrent things. Yeah. I don't care if you demonstrate as long as you're not smashing windows and punching people. Right. Mm-hmm. Virtually every single news outlet is still referring to the anarchists, Marxists, radicals, smashing, burning, attacking cops in Seattle, Portland, and Chicago, still referring to them as protesters who are protesting for racial justice. I've got a surprising one for you coming up here in a second. It's one of those where you've been misled by the media because the media is all uh, on one side of it. You've thought more of America is that way. You'll be a little shocked. But before we get to that one, 
Kneeling. Is it appropriate for athletes, football players, to kneel during the national anthem? It has moved 10 points in about a year. Wow. Mm. It is now majority appropriate. Within the margin of error, but it's right there on the bubble. 52% think it is appropriate for athletes to kneel. Now, I would uh, I would like to see that broken down by football fans because a huge chunk of that crowd might be people that don't watch, ever watch football, and it's just kind of a... Uh, well, it's all a political argument for them. It's got none of the, I want an escape, I'm watching entertainment, I you know any of that stuff because they don't right. watch football games. Right. I would suggest that a large portion of that cohort is young women who said yes to that. Large. And a very small uh, number of uh, football fans. A bunch of buddies and I were zapping pictures around via text last night of our favorite teams, uh, or, or our least favorite teams, uh, baseball teams, Guys kneeling during the national anthem during the uh, the final preseason games, and uh, and the reaction was not good, not positive. I am not looking forward to that. Of course, I, maybe I'll just tune in. I'll zap through it and, well, and try roughly, to pretend it's not happening. If roughly half the country's okay with it, it will continue. Yeah, but again, if if and you made the point yourself, if that number is way skewed to non sports fans, mm-hmm. then that's that's very different. I mean, if you got two-thirds of, of baseball fans who hate it, it, it will not be good for the game. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's as high as two-thirds, but it's, it's, it's over 50, certainly. It's over half. I mean, if roughly half are okay with it, a chunk of those aren't sports fans, so that means, yeah, over half aren't okay with it. Well, that again, are that 20-point gap between men and women, I think that's, that's yeah. pretty important. Good one. Good one. Here's the one I found the most interesting, though, where I think we've been misled by the media's uh, view of it. What should be done with Confederate statues? Not an issue I think about ever, by the way. Um, it's because you're racist, clearly. Leave in place is 47%. Would you have guessed, based on the way you take it in from the media, that almost half of America says leave the Confederate statues alone? Absolutely not. Of course not. <clears throat> You'd have thought that's only the wackiest of people. I want that teased out with Civil War fans. <laughs> People who just yeah, live. anybody just, who's it, ever been part of a reenactment, yeah, yeah anybody I, who I, owns I, a bayonet, like the isolate the sample size there a little bit. Ever watched the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ever got one of those little scrunched up hats they wore back then for some reason? Now it is barely majority remove, fifty one percent remove. It's more, but it's almost half leave in place, forty seven percent. It's a fifty fifty issue, really, within the margin of error. It's a fifty fifty issue. Yeah. You would never guess that from hmm. what from taking in any of the media that just leaving them alone. And Confederate statues, we're not even talking about some of the other stuff. Right. That is that's crazy. We're talking about statues to honor con- people that, that fought against this country. Half the country says, eh, leave them alone. You would not guess that by watching anything or reading anything. Mm. We are misled. By the way, that number has moved a lot in a year. It was 63% leave in place. One year ago. Okay, all right. It wasn't it's even a, close. Again, it's the movement that matters. It was it's like t- some of the crappy reporting on the stock market. Stock market uh, ended up down three. Well, if it started up 1,500, then don't tell me it was down three, because you're getting the story wrong. So, yeah, okay, that's media bias. But it was two... I'm th- calling you fake news. Uh, really? I think that... Uh, two-thirds to one-third a year ago. Said, leave them alone. Yeah, that's a huge movement. I would not have taken that. I would not have guessed that. Because hmm. even even a year ago in the media, it was clearly only the lunatic fringe. Right. Well, both those numbers surprised me. Maybe uh, I'm just easily surprised. For the for the 
I'm like a child, a little child. My kids were talking about jump scares yesterday, which I guess is a term from Minecraft or video games or, or something. Have you ever movies. heard that before? That's uh, a yeah, movie so thing. It's like, yeah, movie and uh, YouTube is uses it a lot just because jump edits are very easy to do. I don't know, but Sam claimed he was immune to jump scares, so we spent the day trying to... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's, he's not easily surprised like you the, are. Buddy. The classic example is when the hero in the horror movie is searching the haunted house with their flashlight, and all of a sudden, something jumps out, and it's a cat. Right. It's a jump scare. Okay. Um, here's the number. Uh, th- this is for the mob showing up at the park with the rope, pulling them down. Only 10% say statues should be removed and destroyed. Uh, so so wow. they, they might even be including, like, you know, it goes through the city council or the state government or whatever. So, right, and you the take support them down for and mobs with ropes doing it without any sort of vote, hearing, or discussion. It would be single digits Single at digits at best. And yet, cowardly municipalities are allowing that to happen because they fear the mob. Tell you what, folks, and this is just, this is a practical discussion. I am not suggesting it. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. The thing to do to change your city is form up a violent mob because nobody will oppose you. Well, how about the media interpretation of that? I haven't heard anywhere other than some of the opinion people on Fox, but I haven't heard anybody say anything negative when they're showing the videos of mobs tearing down statues. Right, right. There's kind of an uh, implied support of it, yeah. indeed, on the alphabet and network. And then there's, there's less than 10% support for that sort of thing. Mm. There you go. The over half the country thinking we're a racist country is, uh, well, it's a troubling place to be. Uh, yeah, indeed. Oh, speaking of the whole uh, racially woke thing, a uh, a bit of humor, probably to kick off the next hour, if you get the next hour, that y- y- I, I labeled as perfect. It may be perfect. Perfect humor. So, so stay tuned for that. You will love it. You will send it to your friends. Another Russian dissident has uh, had an unfortunate accident. Oh, fell out a window again? Fell out a window. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) The world capital of defenestration. Russia. Nasty. Plus what the hotel industry is doing about the vid, all sorts of uh, interesting stuff. At least that's what we're going for. Oh, and we need to get to the the violence in Seattle, Mm. Portland, Chicago. Um, and the idea of sending in uh, federal police, very controversial. We've got a marriage problem, a woman hiding the good chips from her husband. You can uh, you be the judge, settle that problem. The what? Kids are the good chips, hiding the good chips from her husband. Oh and the kids are spending more hours on the screens than ever. Throughout the program today, we will get to all of these things we just mentioned. That's why you should listen to the entire four-hour program whenever you can. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said that he was worried the surge of coronavirus cases means his state, quote, could become Florida. Buddy, you wish, said a coked up alligator on a jet ski. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Humor. Joe Biden has been quoting Chairman Mao on the campaign trail. Stay with us. Shocking. Uh, and an op-ed piece in the New York Times today, Trump's occupation of American cities has begun. Okay. Oh, my God. They will print that op-ed in the New York Times. <laughs> anyway, more on that later. We got a note from uh, uh, loyal listener Mike here. 
One thing I've not heard mentioned in the school discussion is the effect on working parents. He's talking about the vid and whether it opens schools or not. We've talked about it plenty, Mike. Perhaps you've missed it, but living in Southern California, many of the families we know are dual-income households. What sort of economic hell are we looking forward to if kids can't return to school and both parents return to work? My company is currently allowing parents to stay at home and be paid if they need to care for children. I assume this is being subsidized and will expire at some point. I'd like to hear your take on this question. Well, Mike, it's... Uh, it's absolutely true that there are challenges in reopening schools, but I liked this headline, uh, an editorial Bethany Mandel wrote for the Washington Examiner, schools are essential too. I've, we've long thought the whole essential, non-essential thing is, number one, insulting, and number two, the wrong standard anyway. I don't care if you are selling snow globes. If you can do it safely, why aren't you open? And it's essential to your livelihood. It's Bingo. essential to you paying your rent yes. and being able to pay for a, you know, a dentist appointment for your kid. So yeah, it's incredibly essential for them. And property rights are constitutional rights. And the pursuit of happiness and the, the Declaration of the Independence refers to economic success. Uh, as I pointed out many times, it's not a reference to being cheerful. It's economic success. And so these are absolutely foundational for our country. So, and, then, yeah. and then the other problem with that, of course, is they labeled food essential. So donut shops and ice cream shops have been open the right. entire time. Right. You can't justify that. Plus, I remain amused by snow globes. So I have a certain sympathy for the snow globe industry. Mm. Uh, but uh, Bethany goes on to point out that it's a shock to no one that the topic of school openings has become politicized, as everything else has. On one side, we have, and this is this is where we are as a society, folks, in terms of the rhetoric. We have anti-Trump individuals and groups such as the Lincoln Project claiming Trump doesn't care whether your kids live or die. <sighs> On the other hand, where do you go from there? Hmm. On the other hand, conservatives are loudly beating the drum about the importance of in-person learning. Uh, the president himself has come out. In you favor. know why? Because it was a failure last year. I still have never heard anybody in the media say that but me. And if you ask any parent, they will tell you it was a failure. It wasn't pretty good or good enough. It was a failure. And I read a piece by a teacher the other day that said to the extent that it did work, it was incredibly exhausting. The energy you have to put out to try to be a TV character these kids will listen to for multiple hours. And then the energy on the other end. Yeah. Uh, You you know how you used to send your kid off to school and then you check and see if they got their homework done? No, it was was a huge undertaking, even with your kids doing the online schooling. So, no, it was a failure. Then Ms. Mandel points out this isn't just politics. Conservatives, Conservatives tend to have more children than the liberal cohort, and more of them, thus, and more of them, more children, thus they understand the vital importance of in-person learning. Those in the anti-Trump camp without school-aged children beating the louder drums about keeping schools closed have no skin in the game as far as school closures are concerned. I don't doubt that in uh, many cases. Yeah, I think the polling ought to be entirely parents and teachers. Yeah, the fact that schooling is not labeled essential is crazy. So we're willing to take the, I was at a grocery store yesterday. We're willing to take the risk for grocery stores. Right. Because, you know, we got to eat. So we all got masks and there's hand sanitizer everywhere and they got the dots on the floor. So you stand six feet apart. We'll do the same thing with the freaking school. Right. Find it's a, a way. also an essential organization. It's all caps, bold faced, essential. And then she points out, and this is mostly just amusing, there's plenty of nuance in between. And those with children on the left, such as MSNBC host Chris Hayes, 
have advocated the importance of opening schools with safety measures in place. And yet even Hayes can't resist politicizing the conversation, quote, there are a number of problems that have to be solved in order to open schools safely. The president is incapable of solving them. He just wants them open so that people can go back to work so he can get reelected. First of all, the idea that the president of the United States would be involved in, say, DuPage County, Illinois schools, where I grew up, or Scott City, Kansas, where, where you hail from, or all sorts of individual school districts, Yahutz, Oregon, the president of the United States ought to be in charge of whether they open or not? Come on. You know, it's, you know, it's hilarious, and this COVID is laid at bare, and look, politics is stupid, we all know this, but uh, I have right here a tab in which Esquire is accusing Trump of being a dictator. And right over here, the one I'm reading from, where MSNBC is howling because the president isn't dictating which schools open and which don't. You people. You'd be amusing if you weren't so frustrating and dangerous. Find a way to open the schools. We got a husband and wife really arguing over potato chips. It's one of those Reddit things where you submit it and then you have other people decide who's right and who's wrong. Yes. That's a good mob one. justice. Maybe we'll, get to, maybe we'll get to that next hour. <laughs> Hiding the good chips. Yes. Wait a minute. Is that I okay? I think I may have. Uh, yeah. Huh. Armstrong and Getty.